Hey everybody, welcome back to part three of our discussion on the 80s movie A Christmas Story. This will be a detailed discussion and analysis of the plot and the spiritual themes that it includes. So if you haven't heard parts one and two, go back and check those out on our podcast feed. And we are going to jump back in right here at the evil Santa scene. So let's dive in. So then we get to see Ralphie come up with this idea. Like, he's been stumped. He can't get this BB gun. He finally comes up with this idea to go see Santa. So they go to a store. I don't know where this is. Like, someplace like Macy's or the mall. Macy's in Chicago. It's called Hugby's. Oh. And it's a store in Cleveland, Ohio. And, like, this is supposed to be in Hammond. So I think they changed the name briefly. But they actually did film it in, in, a, in a store in downtown Cleveland. Oh, see, I thought they went to Chicago here. This is supposed to be their hometown? This is still their town. Yeah, oh, okay, my bad. Knockoff of Hammond, Higby's or something like that. And they actually filmed inside of the department store. I never, I've never been to a Santa setup like that. I would love to have something like that. Are you kidding me? Jeez. All we had well, was... Not, not with the big slide, but... Never. Like, I'd been to the mall. And, I mean... When I was a kid at Circle Center Mall downtown in Indianapolis, I mean, that FAO Schwartz toy store that was there, it's gone now. But that was amazing. It was like a two-story thing with this big talking tree. I mean, that kind of place would have a Santa setup like this. We had, what was the name of that toy store in Village Mall? Before KB, though. I can't think of it, but yeah, we had, we, it was all right. Not Toys R Us? No, that was in Champaign. We had that in the Children's Palace in Champaign. I remember that one. Yeah, I mean, where we grew up, Danville, Illinois, was a very cool blue-collar place growing up. Changed a little bit, but we had a toy store, but it wasn't, it wasn't Toys R Us. It wasn't FAO Schwartz or anything like that. It was just small, you know, maybe seven or eight aisles of toys. But still, I mean, as a kid, that was heaven. Yeah. That was where, you know, you went to either that or you'd break out the ca- uh, catalog. Oh, the Sears catalog at Christmas was fantastic. Have you ever seen a Sears catalog? Yeah, yeah my grandma would get them and I would cut out all the Batman figure pictures. Yeah, I used yeah. to sit there and just dream about all the things I would see in the Sears catalog in the toy section. Like, yeah. look at all this cool stuff. It and was the, so magical. The greatest thing about it was you would be flipping through toys, toys, next page, rifles. Rifles. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, the women in their bras. Yep. That's probably one of the first places I saw that, yeah. So, well, you just said something that was really interesting to me, because I was already thinking that this scene might be part of that that thread about Ralphie learning that not everything in the world is what it's cracked up to be. Some of the commercialism stuff is just that, and it's not what you think it's going to be. And when you said even those smaller Toy Story setups for a Santa setup was like heaven to a kid. Mm -hmm. Well, then if you walk into this big elaborate thing with a giant candy cane slide, I mean, that just makes that commercialism message and that message about disappointment and and things not being what they seem, not all they're cracked up to be, even bigger because you've got an over-the-top Santa setup, but Santa's evil. (laughs) Santa's... Like a maniac. I mean, I, I was <laughs> laughing about this portrayal and Scut earlier. I didn't say it, but that maniacal laughter just cracked me up. And now here we've got another figure like that. But Santa's supposed to be good, and now he's acting like Scut, the bully almost. I think, in a way, that this portrayal of Santa, if, if you look through it through a child's eyes, because sometimes Santa Claus was a little scary as a kid. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. It's like when you go see the Easter Bunny. Those, I, I refused when I was a kid to go see the Easter Bunny. That thing was just messed up. But you see a Santa Claus, and you know, here he's supposed to be this happy, jolly guy who brings you gifts on Christmas. But when you see him in real life, some kids are terrified. Oh yeah, absolutely terrified of this kid. Hmm. So I think, like, if you're looking at it through the kid's eyes, yeah, Santa Claus is scary in real life and i think that's where they were going with this because you're looking at it through the eyes of a 11 year old boy instead of the adult and two in i'm not 
condoning anything here, but back in the day, that was that was a full time job. So you would literally go in, you would work for four hours with kids, brat kids, doing this spitting snot pee in their pants just you get a 15 minute break you get a 30 minute lunch and then you're back on it so you're talking eight hours of this <laughs> like hell <laughs> of dealing with this and you know the store is about to close that you know so they've been working for at least eight hours right now and they're ready to leave it's yeah the bar is two blocks away the drink is there waiting for us we just need to get through this let's go let's go let's come on you know and again i'm not condoning this but you know nowadays you you work for a couple hours and then the next santa comes in and they work for a few hours or whatever the case is may i i think so yeah like being a server in a restaurant uh-huh. <laughs> when you get down to those last few minutes and you're looking at that clock going, we close at nine o'clock. I can't wait. And then someone walks in at eight fifty six. You lose your mind. You are so upset. How I have to stay here longer because you came in at this time. So yeah, I could I could totally see this. Especially if I was a Santa Claus and like Doug said, a kid just peed his pants while sitting on my lap. I'd probably have enough of it too. Santa being evil. It's pretty funny. I think Ralphie is scared of him. So when he's asked what he wants for Christmas, he says, a football. But he doesn't even know why, because he doesn't want a football. So then he gets yeah. put down the slide, and he's scratching and clawing, because he's like, I must tell him what I really want. And he does. He says, a BB gun. Yeah. And then Santa says, you'll shoot your eye out and kicks him. Yeah. Oh, oh. Also, there's while he's waiting in line, they show a guy, the guy who says the line starts here, it begins there. That's actually Gene Shepard, the guy who wrote all these stories this is based on. But oh. it cracks me up, the, the kid who's standing in front of Ralphie. Ralphie is so, he always reminded me of a grown-up in this scene, because he's got his coat on and he's all standing there proper and you got this kid in front of him wearing, wearing goggles he's wearing a tie in this scene. yeah he's wearing a tie the kid in front of him's got this hat on with these goggles and he just turns around as the the way he says i like the wizard of oz and ralphie's like yeah and then the witch walks up to him and says what do you want for christmas little boy and Ralphie goes, don't bother me. I'm thinking. (laughs) (laughs) I I am in the zone. Do not bother me. Oh, my gosh. It was was so funny. Now, first off, I knew a kid just like that kid in front of Ralphie. I mean, (laughs) the the random dude. I mean, well, I, I met. A bunch of them, you know, where you're it just standing Drew, in line. No, it wasn't true. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, nobody I know. And I'm not saying he's wearing goggles, but, you know, when, well, I mean, it happens as an adult. You know, you're just, you're standing in line somewhere. It's like, okay, I'm waiting for the groceries. And someone's like, ah, geez, huh? What? <laughs> what, what, what? Yeah, it's cheese. Wait, what? Well, how am I supposed to respond to that? You know, and as a kid, that's um, that's happened too. Where it's just that I like this. Why, why are you talking? Is to that me? how women feel? Like when guys <laughs> try to make small talk? Yeah, maybe. Well, you know, if you want to talk to me, talk to me. <laughs> but, but don't you know? Don't be. A, yeah, I like. Yeah. Wizard of Oz. Things just to say things at yeah. this point. Like, it's let's like, have a conversation. You know, let's have a conversation. Don't don't just say <laughs> random facts. You know, <laughs> yeah, the sky is blue. Okay. All right. I, I said my fact. Now turn around. Let me think about my <laughs> toy. I got to talk to Santa Claus. That's a pretty good scene too. I like that because you are you, you know you're a kid and you know that even if you think know that this is not the real Santa Claus, you know. He's a helper. He's got the main line to the big guy. So whether this is Santa or whether it's one of his helpers, this is serious, okay? As a kid, I need to take this seriously. And as you get closer, it, it starts getting to you. It's like, oh god, okay, don't, don't, don't freak out, don't freak out, don't freak out. You know, it's it can be nerve wracking. I can, I could totally see that. I don't remember that as a kid very much, but I could totally see that. You know, it would just, it, it would be like walking up and talking to Albert Pools, you know? Oh, yeah. 
if you walked up to your favorite baseball or Nathan, if you were to walk up and meet Nicolas Cage, you know, you would you'd be like, oh, sweet, I'm going to go say hi. And as you get closer, you're starting to think, don't be stupid. Don't say the wrong thing. Let's do this. And then you get up there and, you know, you could easily just be like, hi, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> you it's, know. It's, hi, Nick. Yeah. Oh, it, Can I see your leg lamp? It's happened. Oh, I, I was in an elevator with a celebrity and I kept telling myself over and over again, I know who this is. I want to say something, but I don't want to sound stupid. What do I say? Was that Michael Winslow? Michael Winslow. Yep. <laughs> so all I said was, what came out was, I didn't even acknowledge I, I I just all I said was, sir, it's just, I love what you do. And it's been a pleasure riding in this elevator with you. That's all I could, that's all that could come out. But in my head, it's like, I got all these things I want to say. Yeah, I bet he appreciated that a lot more than what some people say to celebrities. Well, the cool thing is I got out of the elevator and as it's closing. And for those who don't know who Michael Winslow is, he's seen Police Academy. He makes a lot of noises with his mouth and it's amazing. He did it as I was. Oh, I thought he was from Family Matter. What's that? What? I thought it was a guy from Family. That's Carl Winslow. Oh, dang it. Yeah. Michael Winslow makes all the noises. He's uh, in Spaceballs. And I was walking out of the elevator, and he made the sound of, like, doors closing, like, an electronical. And I, it was, like, the coolest thing in the world. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely would get tongue-tied or starstruck sometimes. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting how people talk about Santa and the, the teaching, because they say, oh, he knows you. He knows when you've been bad or good. You know, they say that. The parents say that to Ralphie. So they, they talk about Santa like he's God, like he's omniscient, and he knows everything and can read your mind or see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's interesting. I wonder how that happened. Maybe it's maybe it's nothing to do with God. It's just a device to get kids to behave. I, th- I think it is 100% because growing up, nothing negative about this. Mom, I love you. But mom was very religious. She still is today. But even more, I think, growing up, we, we, we were, it was much more strict in the house when it came to religion. And the fact that she allowed Santa to be real, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Santa uses magic. Because first of all, we don't have, we didn't have a chimney. I didn't have a fireplace. How does Santa get in? Down there. Magic. Well, <laughs> isn't magic supposed to be evil per the Bible? You know, so I, I think, yes. I mean, obviously Santa comes from St. Nicholas and Christmas comes from something else and everything. You, you take what you want with the whole Santa and all that stuff. But I think, yeah, I think everyone just realized this is a good way to keep kids quiet for about a month and a half right after Thanksgiving. <laughs> Let's roll with this. <laughs> hey, if you rearrange those letters of Santa, you can spell yep. Satan. You just you look like two around. You can. Nope. Yeah, I uh, hilarious. Yeah, I, I think I think some point people just realized, ooh, we can use this. And it just, it hasn't stopped since. Yeah. I used to ask my, I remember asking my parents, what does Santa have to do with Jesus being at Christmas time? You know, <laughs> Christmas is about, you know, the birth of Christ. Okay. So where's Santa Claus come in on this? What's he got to do with it? I never, I mean, I even asked that question. Jesus didn't like eggs either, by the way. Exactly. But it's, <laughs> that's why you have to hide him. I was getting presents from some, from some guy, which is cool. But what's this have to do with? How did this start? And I, I guess I really don't even still really know how how it started. I'm sure there's some guy named Saint Nicholas or something who probably delivered. Well, yeah, he was a saint. Boys at Christmas, yeah, and then yeah. they just kind of took that and ran with it and mm-hmm. made it bigger, bigger, bigger. Absolutely, but, that, yeah. Saint Nicholas was a real dude. He probably wasn't like this Santa. Ho ho ho! Yeah, he didn't fly around with reindeer. <laughs> so Ralphie's dream seems to be dead. He goes home, he opens up some Christmas presents and gets things he doesn't like, like this bunny suit from his Aunt Clara. Who still thinks he's a girl. Yeah. (laughs) So, distant relationship, yeah. Real real quick, uh, have you... Do you have a bunny suit? Not not no, not literally, but <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no. As a kid, did yeah, you get a gift that was your bunny suit that you remember oh. getting and it's like Oh, 
I mean, I remember getting some clothes that I didn't really like, but I don't remember like an animal costume with a face yeah. cut out. I just, yeah, I was, yeah, I was curious right. if there was one really bad one that stood out. I don't have one personally. I'm sure have, there was clothes I didn't like, but I got one gift that I always thought was odd because it's not anything that I ever would have asked for. And I ended up getting it for Christmas one year and I was just like, huh. And my, and I don't know who, I don't know if I came from my parents or if I came from Santa Claus. I don't know who got me. <laughs> or Satan. I, I'm starting to lean that way because I opened up my presents one year and this is the same year I got a drum set, like a little play drum set, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. And then I opened up this next one and it's a Cabbage Patch Kid. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a boy cabbage patch kid that had my name it, its name was drew so i got it and so i thought well okay so it's got my name but why would you give me a cabbage patch kid i never asked for these things <laughs> oh, that that was that was that my brother got one too did he it's like that was like to me i think that's the one that stands out to me that i don't understand I guess I, I get it because I had my name. At the same time, it's like, you really think I'm going to carry this thing around and play with it? I, I think a lot of it had to do with just how insane people were. And Nathan, I don't know. Did you did you ever, have you ever seen any, literally, there are documentaries about Cabbage Patch. Cabbage Patch dolls were like the first, I'm going to kill you to make sure my kid gets this. I mean, yeah, people were Oh, yeah, fighting. I've heard those people stories. nuts over Parents these things. Fighting. Teddy yeah. Rexpin was the same way, right? Yeah. Cabbage Patch Kids came out first. No. That's why my brother got one, was because everyone thought that you had to have one. And, you know, I my brother opened it, and I think he was happy about having it, but I guarantee that thing was in, on the floor of the closet within two weeks. Yeah. It would have been on eBay, man. Mine was in Not my sister's. in 87. My, <laughs> yeah, my sister kept it. it. It was in her room for most of the time, but... It, no, it's exactly right. These things came out and they were expensive. I mean, super expensive. They have a birth certificate on it. So each one is supposed to be different. There's no duplicates. So the one that I got, no one else has it. It cannot be true. So that's what they I say. Can, I guarantee you there is another Drew out there that looks exactly like yours. Yeah, there might be. I, I just, it was, uh, yeah, they came with the birth date and all that stuff. And yeah, people went nuts over these things. I mean, it was... Like, you know, like Doug said, you watch a documentary and you got parents fighting in the aisles at Target and Kmart trying to get their hands on a Cabbage Patch Kid. It's just, it's, well, the, it was ridiculous. The marketing campaign for it was amazing. If you look back at it now, it's cheesy, but I mean, they, they literally birth, they would birth these kids out of these cabbages. And it wasn't like, oh, here, you know, it's like, okay, all right, here it comes. All right, cabbage, give me, all right, it's going to give it a little push. Here it goes. Let's help it out. Let's move these leaves back. It, it was a person like in a doctor's uniform birthing a cabbage patch doll from a fake cabbage leaf thing. They scared me to death. They, they were <laughs> kind of creepy looking. They all look the same. They just had different hairstyle. One would have a tooth or something like yeah. that. But uh, yeah, man, this is this is a little off topic. It but is. Like but a, yeah. like Ten years ago, bought a Nintendo Wii okay. or an Xbox. I can't remember which on eBay, and someone sent me a Cabbage Patch doll instead. And I opened <laughs> the box. It's supposed to have all these video games in it. And I see the stupid doll, like, you fiend. <laughs> I, I'm curious. I wonder how much those Cabbage Patch dolls are worth it's, nowadays. It's a good shape. You can sell it, I'm sure, for a lot. Oh, I should have kept it. I threw it away. Dang it. You threw it away. <laughs> well, I got my money back, so whatever. Oh, okay, there you go. Well, looking at Ralphie's situation, I mean, okay, so maybe this bunny suit is supposed to be like the 1940 bad gift, the Cabbage Patch doll. I mean, maybe some kids like Cabbage Patch dolls, but not only does he think he's not getting the BB gun, he's depressed about that. His mission has failed. He has to stand there in this stupid, humiliating <laughs> costume, which goes back into that theme about setbacks and discouragement and, and disappointment. Like, this has got to be the most humiliating defeat. Wearing the suit probably represents defeat. That was the first hero moment, kind of hero moment for Dad. That's This is when he really starts sta uh, standing up for Ralphie. Because he comes down and his mom's like, oh, you look so cute. And he's like, he looks like a pink nightmare. <laughs> I mean, probably the funniest part of the movie. 
I mean, it's green. And he's just like, no, my son is not going to wear that. Are you kidding me? And I love that scene. The love for his kids really starts to come out right now is the fact that, you know, he's starting to stand up and he realizes, all right, Ralphie does not like this and it looks stupid. I'm saying something. So that's kind of like step number one for hero dad. Yeah. And then step number two, the hero moment for dad. When And I love this because my mom did this to me. Probably right around the same age, I really wanted a keyboard. I learned a little bit on piano and everything and through MTV and stuff like that, synthesizers and stuff. That was the bomb. And I really wanted one of those. And opened all the presents, didn't get it. And just like Ralphie, I kept my cool, but I was very upset. And uh, that's when she said, Doug, will you grab that wrapping paper that fell under the couch? And I reached down and there was the gift sitting right under me, wrapped up. And I pulled that out and I'm like, oh, and this is before I've seen this. So I dug that scene when I first saw it because that did happen to me. That's awesome. Anyway, I didn't tell what happened in the movie. In the movie, <laughs> his dad's like, oh, what's that over there in the corner? And, you know, it's kind of a last second surprise for the kid. And that's that's when you it really comes out throughout the whole movie. Dad's been this angry guy and yelling and fighting with the furnace, and mad about his award and changing the tire and everything like that. And finally, he's like. I love you, son. Here you go. Yeah, that is the moment where I was like, oh, he does love Ralphie. Yeah, that was a cool scene. And I would bet just about anything that that exact same thing happened to the guy who wrote this. Yeah. The exact same thing happened because that is a cool, I don't know if anyone else has had a situation like that, but that was just the coolest thing in the world to me at that time when I thought I didn't get what I wanted. And then the last second, it's like, gotcha. So that, that was, that was really cool when I first saw that. Yeah. Very cool. I got the impression just from looking at the mom here that, she didn't know this was coming because she's kind of got this hesitant look of disapproval and then she'll smile. And then I thought, oh, wait, maybe she did know. And then it kind of goes back to the, I don't know. And I'm like, ah, uh, he did this on his own, didn't yeah. he? The dad went and got this, didn't tell the mom, like, this is a surprise because she wouldn't have gone along with this. No, this was totally on him. He did this on his own because he was just said, where did that come from? And he's like, ah, Santa brought it. You know, yeah, very cool dad moment here. Yeah, so Rafi gets his gift and he goes outside and he does, in fact, shoot his eye out almost. Almost. (laughs) He's like, I shot my own eye out. (laughs) And it turns out it hit his glasses and broke them. He had an icicle. That's what he told his mom. That's what he tells his mom. Well, that's the lie. That's the lie. Actually, even the BB didn't break the glasses. He he fell back and they fell off and then he stepped on the glasses. Oh, yes. He wasn't actually hurt. But yeah, I've I've done that before, too, where you injured yourself doing something that you got to make a big deal out of it. Mm -hmm. What happened? Oh, it's this big elaborate story of how it happened. Icicles are known to kill people. <laughs> no, I believe I have actually heard that some people do die from icicles. Oh God, yeah, that would surprise me. Those things don't fall off of a get one thick enough that fall through, fall down, and oh, hit yeah. somebody in the head. Can you think about walking walking downtown Indianapolis? I mean, we're talking buildings that are hundreds of feet tall. If an icicle just gave way and fell all the way down, you're you just happen to walk under it at that exact moment. I, I'm not saying it happens a lot, but I'm, I'm sure it's happened. Man in Moscow <laughs> speared in the head by a falling heavy icicle. Uh, and now this is Wikipedia, so who knows if you can uh, trust this, but they may have sourced this. It says in, t- in 2010, 150 people died from icicles. Holy cow. Wow. And I looked around and I saw on another site, helmetharry.com. Again, I don't know that site. I don't know if we can trust it, but it says that statistics indicate 15 Americans die from icicle-related accidents each year. And in Russia, it's about 100 annually. So, fact checkers, somebody tell us if that's 
fake statistics or what? Bloomberg says it's a common occurrence. Hmm. According to Google, it happens. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it too. Yeah. So he, he goes inside. He's telling his parents this wild tale. And during that time, the neighbor's dogs break in and they Bumpuses. steal the family turkey. Be- before we get to that, though, I, I, I want to get your thought on this. So the entire movie is a movie. And then his mom takes him up to the bathroom and she's wiping off the tears and doing that. She turns her back and then Ralphie breaks the fourth wall. He looks right at the camera and was like, did it. Where did that come from? Yeah, you're right. The whole time it's just been you're living in their world. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, he looks at the camera and gives a voice. He raises his eyebrows a couple times. Like, yeah, you're right. He does. He breaks the fourth wall right there out of nowhere. That's just kind of weird to me, I thought. I mean, it's, it's a great scene. I love it. I wouldn't ask you to change it. But the fact that they just decided last, you know, right at the end of the movie, it's like, let's have him break the fourth wall. Let's have him look at the camera and smile. Yeah, so it's just, it seems kind of weird all the way up until I watched the original Jumanji. And I watched this recently and I caught it because in the, I don't know if you remember when the kid, Robin Williams gets stuck in the ground, the, the floor is starting to eat him. And he's like, go out and get the hatchet or axe out of the shed. And the kid runs out there and the shed's locked. And he's sitting there pulling it and he's like, oh, I can't get in. And then he reaches down and he picks up the axe. And then he starts banging on the door. He hits it two or three times and he stops. And he looks right at the camera like, duh. And then just moves on. And I was like, that is hilarious. (laughs) I guess it doesn't surprise me too much since he's narrating this film. Like the adult Ralphie is narrating this film. But then it becomes a time travel movie. Yeah, that's a little off the rails. but. Yeah, I guess it would have made a little bit more sense if they would have showed him as an adult telling the story. But again, I, it doesn't bother me. I just, I never really thought about it until I watched it just recently. So I, I was just curious what you guys thought of it. I, I knew that he broke the fourth wall, but I guess it never really occurred to me that it was odd, <laughs> which it probably should be considered kind of odd now. But, you know, it, it's okay. So shortly after that, the neighbor's dogs break in and they steal the turkey. Uh that the family's been cooking yeah they take all the food i mean the dad's been looking forward to this christmas feast all day and all of a sudden it's gone all these dogs take all that food so at that point i think this is where we see the adults start to deal with disappointment a little bit but i'm surprised like you know how angry the father's been this whole time he hates those dogs they handle this well i don't know if it's just because it's christmas but he just says i think it hey, is we're gonna get in the car and we're gonna go out to eat i think it totally is it as it is just you know christmas is that time and you know you're you're with family and the worst thing that could happen is your turkey was destroyed and all right well i'm still with the family let's go get something to eat although i think i would have walked over to the neighbor's house first and said by the way you owe me a big turkey and a table <laughs> and a new and a table door. and, and a door. door yeah i mean th- these dogs literally destroyed <laughs> half their house and he's like oh well let's go eat chinese food <laughs> thought that was kind of funny but but yeah i think it that's that is the true meaning of christmas you know it's the the worst thing has happened and it's like let's move on it's christmas mm-hmm. yep let's be happy they make the best of it yeah again yes. overcoming adversity yeah, so that that is interesting that you say that because you know family being the meaning of Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Because over on the Brewery Ministries channel, like our sister channel, like I've been retracing the story of the Bible from beginning to end, and I've been looking at all the things that we hear the story of the Bible is about, like it's a moral system or a good way to live, or like people say instruction manuals or all these different things. But in revisiting it, I think it's actually about God creating a family, like with humans 
and you've got angels. He's trying to make this family, and the family doesn't always get along. So the whole book is about him bringing the family back together. Well, if you look at Christmas, it's the birth of Jesus, right? Well, that's kind of like the climax of that story. That's the means of how he brings the family back together after they've they've struggled for so long. So when people say, you know, Christmas is about family, like, well, to me, like, that's kind of spiritual, right? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, there's different, there's different depths of that, different levels. But, I mean, that goes right along with what I think the Bible is about, as opposed to maybe some of the other ways we hear it described or ways we see it taught. Absolutely. And plus, it's a great scene. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. duck. <laughs> of course. They get a duck instead of a <laughs> and, Christmas carol. Christmas carols. I can't tell if the mom's laughing or crying. I think she's like right on the verge. <laughs> Either way, she can't decide. Uh, great acting job by her in that scene. But that is one takeaway from this movie that you could call negative is that they have ruined Deck the Halls forever. <laughs> because you just, yes. you cannot sing that song without hearing that. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> yeah. And. The fact that to this day we can still laugh at that, but there is no way you could reshoot that. Oh yeah, because you don't know if oh Asian you would get would ripped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not necessarily the best portrayal. Yeah, truthfully, I'm surprised. And please, people, if you're listening, don't do this. Such a great movie, but I'm surprised there hasn't been some type of petition saying. Take that movie off. It's insensitive to Asian people. Or remove that scene because of this. And it's like, no, they're not. They're not being insensitive to Asian people. It's just, you know, that's the way it was. (laughs) I mean, especially in the 40s. Sign of the era. Yeah. But even in the 80s, it was, you know. and, and, And again, I'm saying this as a white boy from Cornfield, Illinois. So I could be wrong. But at the same point, it's funny to see that. And I'm not, I don't think of it wrong. I, it doesn't make me think of anybody differently. It's just, I find it funny that they have totally destroyed the song Dick Dolls for eternity, <laughs> I think. We don't look at that scene and start laughing at Asian people. So no. I guess that's the difference. I, yeah. the, I wonder how they would take it. I'd be curious to see. You know, if that, you know, my Asian friends are bothered by that scene, but we don't look at that scene and and then think Asian people themselves are funny. Yeah. But yeah, they make the best of Christmas eating at a Chinese restaurant. Is that what this is? Or Japanese? It's a Chinese restaurant. Okay. Yeah. That Chinese restaurant still exists today in Canada somewhere. Yeah, or wherever they filmed that. I've got that. I've got that down somewhere. I had a, I had a road trip once that went up into Canada and down New England back to Indiana. And it was just movie site after movie site all the way around. And restaurant from the movie was one of the stops I wanted to do. And it's up in Canada somewhere. And yeah, they did the uh, all the interior scenes in Canada, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's quite a leap from Ohio. Well, really, the only thing they shot in Ohio was just the outdoor scenes at the school, the outdoor shots at the house. Really? Yeah, Why couldn't yeah, they find all that in one place? Cheaper to film, cheaper to film in Canada. <laughs> Canada, but he picked Cleveland because Cleveland kind of looked like the neighborhood, kind of looked like the neighborhood that he grew up in. Uh, in uh, yeah, it does look close to Indiana. Yeah, if I, if I read this right, the house in the movie, the house sits on Cleveland Street during Cleveland, but I think in real life, that house sits on Hammond Avenue. And I think that also is part of the reason they chose that. If I read that correctly, if I'm remembering right. But uh, yeah, that whole little area right there is where they, they did all the filming. So I also noticed something else in this movie. If you notice that adults in this movie, which there aren't very many of, there's only really three, are never given first names. I did not catch that. The teacher that. is known by Miss Shields, which is her teacher. But he never refers to his dad as anything other than the old man. And his mom is in the credits even listed as mother. That's it. Mother, old man. They don't even have names. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That tells you what the focus is. Yeah. It's the kids and their world. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've made it to the end of the film because it ends at the restaurant there. So I'm wondering, what are your final thoughts on the film and its spiritual themes? And do you recommend it? I, yeah, I highly recommend this movie. It's, it's, 
I, I think it's a, a mandatory watch every Christmas. It's and if you're lucky, you can catch it 24 hours. You can watch it, you know, several times in a day if you if you get the right day. But yeah, it's just one of those movies that just it never gets old. You know, as many times as I've seen it, I can still it could come on the TV right now. I would watch it. It's just a great movie, and I, I think that the you know the overall message is just you know what's important in life. Uh, you you see something that you think is important, but when you find out that it's really not the number one priority, that the number one priority is something else. And as he finds out in this movie, the number one priority is just family, being together. It's not about this or this or this or this. It's you know, and I think that's just a really good message that a lot of people need to could understand. That sometimes we lose focus on what's really important, and the really important thing is actually right there in front of us. We just don't see it because we're so focused on something else. So. Yeah, I would highly recommend this one. As would I, yeah. And it's exactly what Drew said. It it talks about how important family is. And although you think something that you feel you need is important, it proves that family is the most important thing moving on. And two, it's I think it can it can pull a little bit from, you know, realizing as an adult even the worst of times can be amazing times. And quick story that kind of explains this. In 2002, myself and a few of my friends, we drove out to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania and went to <laughs> Groundhog's Day because of the movie Groundhog's Day. Okay? It was awful. It was insane. First of all, it was 020202. It was a weekend. And there were over 50,000 people there. So just to let you know, it's nothing like the movie. Punxsutawney is nothing like the movie. Punxsutawney, uh, Gobbler's Knob is not this nice little town square where they have all this stuff. No, Gobbler's Knob is a pit out in the middle of the woods. And basically, they drove us out there at 1 in the morning. And we stood out there until 6.30 in the morning in negative 10 degree weather listening to early 90s dance music i'm not kidding i heard pump up the jam at least five times and then they pull out the groundhog they say blah blah blah, and that was it and now you have to walk back to town which was a mile and a half away buses didn't come back and pick us back up we had to walk back into town find a place to have breakfast one of three places to eat Fifty thousand people are walking into this town piling into a Hardee's and McDonald's or this hotel that had a breakfast buffet. And then we went back to our hotel, went to sleep, came back and everything was done. There was nothing else going on. And while we were there, it was the worst time. And to this day, it was one of the more fun trips I have memory of because it was so bad. You just look back on it now and you find the good in it. And I think that's what this movie is kind of doing is it's relaying that message. It's like, look, life will throw a bunch of crap at you. But if you can focus on the positive parts and, you know, focus on that restaurant that we found that was in the middle of nowhere that no one was eating at, but it was amazing food. How did we find this place? Mary's place. I still remember the name of it. You know, the fact that we were there with this group of friends that we have this bond now forever. I mean, there's a couple of the friends who I haven't seen in 20 years. Yeah, it's 20 years this year. Wow, man, I'm getting old. But I haven't seen them in 20 years. But if I see them tomorrow, we will hug and be like, Punxsutawney, <laughs> you know, because we have that moment in our life. And so that's, that's a good way of looking at this movie is like, you may look back on some of your life and be like, oh, that was just awful. But if you really just take a moment and be like, but if you remember this, that was kind of cool. And then so it's another way to take a bunch of negatives and try to find a positive about it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that uh, this movie can kind of uh, pull that out, too. Yeah, that's good. I was a little bit more mixed on this movie, and I really had to think about it because like when it started, it was kind of like a music video, almost like a montage. And like I wasn't real sure where it was going. And there are these entertaining moments. But 
it took me until like two thirds of the way through the film to start really following a thread. I mean, of course, you're trying to figure out, is he going to get the BB gun? But I was trying to find some kind of more adult theme that I could follow, like some kind of character growth. And I, I think maybe that messed me up because rather than just laughing at it like a montage and a series of like music video type of scenes, like I, I struggled to figure out what is the point of Ralphie's plight? Because the family learns to make the best out of Christmas, but Ralphie gets the BB gun. So he never really has to get to a point where he's like, I'm okay without this. So he never really learns that. And maybe it is because he's a kid. So at first I was like, wait a second. Like, you know, it has some commentary about commercialism earlier or pursuing things that turn out to kind of be a marketing scheme and not what they're cracked up to be. But then he kind of falls into that because he still saves Christmas for himself by getting the BB gun. Like that is what makes the memorable Christmas to, to him, whether or not he gets the right present. But I think that is kind of reality for a kid. So if, if I look at it for who he is, he did learn to persevere. And that could be an interesting thing. Like, yeah. how does a kid learn to deal with this disappointment? So maybe I can't judge his plight like an adult. Like, that's kind of silly. He's a kid. I was going to say, I think we mentioned this at the beginning of the movie. This is not a kid's movie. This movie was, I think, is made for adults. Now, kids can mm -hmm. enjoy it. There's a lot of things in there that kids enjoy. But to really get the theme and the lesson from the movie i think you have to be an adult and even though he does get the toy by the end of the movie he as an adult him telling the story he's realizing that there's so much more to christmas than just getting this one little thing and that's where that's where the story comes in that's where he tells all these great stories about working up to this amazing thing that he thought was the greatest thing ever as a kid. But looking back at it now, no, it's not just the gun. Actually, the gun is way down on the list. It's my dad, who was just this angry man his entire life, loved us. He loved me. My mom loved me. She was strict, but she stood up for me when I needed it. You know, I... You know, I was bullied, but I stood up to that. I was able to stand up to being bullied. I was able to fight through my fears. And even though I was scared of Santa, I fought that slide. I pulled myself back up and I was like, this is what I need. I fought through that. So looking at it through adult eyes, it's not about the BB gun. It's about him realizing that there's so much more to Christmas than just getting the mm -hmm. gift. It's about family. It's about friends. It's about pushing through that layer of adversity and everything like that and becoming – I mean it is a true coming-of-age movie. He grew in that two-hour movie or hour-and-a-half movie whatever. He grew a lot throughout that, and I think that's what this movie is all about. It's not yeah. about the BB gun. It's about him realizing what Christmas is. Yeah. I mean, even the last line in the movie that he says is that's the Christmas that will, will forever be remembered in our family as the year that we were introduced to Chinese turkey. So he's saying that that's the memory. When they think of that Christmas, what do you think of? Oh, that's the year that we went out for Chinese and did all this stuff. And so, yeah, I kind of look at it the same with Doug. He wanted that gift, but at the end of the day, he learned a lot more about himself and the connection that he has with his mom and his dad and his brother. You're right. I think it's there. I think it could have been more clear if he didn't get the gun, like if he didn't get the BB gun, and then learned to appreciate Christmas. But I have a feeling that the writer was probably kind of writing based on some things that happened to him mm -hmm. or nostalgia. So maybe he wanted to put that purpose in there, but it wasn't as clear because based on his experience and that stuff isn't always just a clear thread. So when I look at this movie, I don't think that this movie was intentionally spiritual, but you see some of those themes because 
they're an underlying, you know, reality of our lives or they're a subconscious thread. But yeah, I mean, everybody who, everybody involved in this movie would agree it's, it's about family. And we talked about how that's, that's very spiritual. I think that if you have 80s nostalgia, you'll enjoy this. And like, I like to watch 80s movies because I, I think some of them are hilarious. Like their style of comedy is funny. So I enjoyed the second half more. And the more that we talk about it, the more I enjoy it. But it does contain like some key, you know, repeatable phrases and jokes like, you'll shoot your eye out and ho, ho, yeah. ho. I mean, it. maybe it's worth it to add those to your collection of movie quotes you know i don't know that everyone's gonna like this film like my mom you know she if i remember correctly my brother and my dad would laugh about this movie and talk about it at dinner and i hadn't seen it and my mom thought it was like the dumbest thing ever so if you don't think like stupid humor is funny you probably won't like it but i think you will if you do like that kind of humor and you like 80s movies so I mean, I'll give it a mild recommend. I think it's worth watching. I thought it was funny by the end of it, but I don't know that it's for everybody. I'll give you so that. So that's, that's where I'll leave that. I'm glad that I watched it because I, I do think it's a classic and it's it's talked about a lot. And so it's it's an interesting phenomenon to experience. Yeah. Your your best bet, I think, is to have a bunch of friends over and watch it together. Like, don't watch it alone. And then you'll get more out of it, I think. I think it, you know, especially after talking to you guys over the last almost three hours, holy cow, we're getting along with these. (laughs) This is a movie that goes a lot deeper than you see the first time. And I don't know how many, you know, like Drew and I said, I can say without a doubt, I've seen this movie well over 50 times. And I'm, you know, I'm only 47 years old. I've probably watched it multiple. I mean, I've, I've watched this not during Christmas. You know, I, I've just been so bored and it's like, what am I going to do? And it's like, all right, yeah, it's, let's, let's throw in the Christmas story. It's June. I don't care. There's no, I don't want to watch Avengers again or whatever, you know? It's just one of those movies that if you pop it in, at least for me, it's like I can get into it. I can get into the mood, you know? And, and it does give you that Christmas feel. And, you know, it's that time of year where, you know, again, Drew, Drew said it earlier. He's like, tomorrow's December 1st, right? I mean, you guys are listening to this later, but we record this on November 30th. It's now December 1st. It's after midnight. But as soon as Drew said that, I felt it. I was like, ooh, it is Christmas time. I mean, we're all wearing Christmas shirts. And it didn't hit me until Drew said December 1st. And it's like, it is. It is Christmas time. And I, I felt uplifted just hearing Drew saying tomorrow is December 1st. I got the feels. So this movie will give you those feels. It's just a happy. I mean, it is a movie with a lot of tragedy in it, but it's such a happy, nostalgic feel to it. This movie is Christmas to you. It is. It is. Like I said, it's not my favorite. Oh, yeah. But it is right there. It's it's got it's in the top three. Yeah, it, it definitely gives me the Christmas. I get in the Christmas mood when I see it when it's on. It, it puts me in it, and I'm one of those that like I don't put my tree up until after Thanksgiving. I don't put my lights up until after Thanksgiving. I don't want to hear Christmas songs until after Thanksgiving, and even then, those first couple of days, still not fully into it. But watching the movie and knowing that it's coming up, now I start getting into it. So it definitely is one of my top Christmas films. So I'm, I'm full blown into Christmas now. Let's get going. Change yeah, my so- profile picture on Facebook <laughs> tomorrow. And <laughs> we're, we're ready to go. I'll tell you another thing that makes me love this movie so much is too, is the cast. I think the cast was perfect. Peter Billingsley is Ralphie. And I don't know if they can find another kid to play that part so well. He was so good in that movie. And then he um, disappeared forever. And then I didn't realize... He, he was well. He was in Iron Man. He was in Spider Man. Yeah, he was an elf. I knew he was an elf. Really? He, but I didn't realize he was. He was in the. He's in the MCU. He's he's like a major, not a major, but a a reoccurring character. He could still come back in the MCU. Man, I had and I no was idea. like, yeah, he plays the scientist who uh, gets yelled at by. Uh, he's William Ginter Riva. I can't think of the character's name, but he gets yelled at by the dude in Iron Man. 
the first Iron Man, and then he's part of Fishbowl Head's team. Who's Fishbowl Head? Jake Gyllenhaal. Who did he play in Spider Man? Mysterio. Mysterio. Thank you. God, I couldn't think of it. Yeah, he was the guy who was controlling the drones. Oh, and the okay, drone yeah. came up and pointed a laser at that guy's head. That's that's Ralphie. Yeah, wow, a lot of these kids don't was, go on to get careers like that. He was executive producer of Iron Man. Oh, right on. Okay. Yeah, he got uh, he, no he was executive producer. He was co-producer of Elf. Let's see. He did Couples Retreat, Four Christmases. Probably friends with Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, well, he, Vince Vaughn helped produce the new Christmas sequel. Really? I wonder if he's like a, a secret, non-known friend of uh, Favreau and Vince Vaughn. I don't know. Because he, he's... Iron, you know, Favreau's Iron Man. They probably mm-hmm. watched that movie as a kid. Probably. Yeah, he he's done a lot of things. Movie-wise, he hasn't been a lot. The only other movie I can think of is A Dirt Bike Kid. <laughs> and the only reason I know that is because it was on TV on, like, one of the streaming things. Yeah. Uh, I remember he used to be on a TV show, like, Real People, a long time ago. I remember that show. But, yeah, has, has little minor roles, but he's mostly into directing and producing now. But I just thought he did a really good job. I thought, and I can't think of the guy, the actor who played his dad. Darren McGavin was his dad. Was was excellent. Oh, everyone Gene, was excellent. And Gene Shepard, and the way he narrates the movie, really helps set a tone. I think you know. I, I just I just think it's just it's it's just so good. Absolutely. Yeah. So, listeners, you have to let us know what you think of this movie. If you saw any spiritual threads that maybe we didn't see, or Maybe you can confirm some things that we saw in this film, whether or not you know they're really there in the film or, or what your thoughts are on this. So yeah, let us know what you thought of this movie. We will be back soon. We actually recorded the Poltergeist podcast before we recorded this, but we're probably going to get this one out first for the Christmas season. So right after Christmas, you'll be able to listen to our analysis of the 1982 Poltergeist film. And we will be back soon with another movie review. Make sure you check out our new YouTube channel. It is at Movies Are Spiritual on YouTube. And we will talk to you soon. We'll see ya. Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening to the Movies Are Spiritual podcast. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel at Movies Are Spiritual. If you want to go deeper into the theology we discuss, check out our sister podcast and YouTube channel, Brewery Ministries. You'll find it on YouTube at Brewery Ministries, or look up the Brewery Ministries podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or in any podcast app. If you want to talk spiritual themes and movies with your friends or theology, we produce discussion questions for you to use for free. Go to breweryministries.org, click on the free discussion guides tab, and you'll find discussion questions on movies like the Batman series, Marvel movies, The Matrix, or try one of our theology series. Discuss the book of Mark or the original context of the Bible in our overview of the Bible series. If you're in the Wichita area, you can join us at a brewery on Tuesday nights to discuss theology. We meet at Poor House in downtown Wichita at 7 p.m. every Tuesday night in the upstairs room. Questions or comments? Reach out to us on our social media pages or email us at breweryministries at gmail.com. For more updates, follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Brewery Ministries or on Twitter at Brewery Ministry. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. <laughs>